Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, covering gun violence in America. So it's been a horrific week. It's actually been a horrific year for gun violence in this country. There's been a sort of perception that mass shootings and gun violence in America sort of took a pause during the pandemic. That's absolutely not true. Gun violence killed 20,000 Americans last year, more than any other year in at least two decades. So this is a crisis that goes on and on and on. There are a lot of people looking at solutions on the political front in terms of changes in laws, but there's also a lot to be done in terms of thinking how the media covers gun violence in this country and how it can do better and how it should do better. I'm thrilled to be joined by Manuel and Patricia Oliver. Welcome to you both. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's great to have you here. You both found yourself in the center of the gun debate after your son, Joaquin, was among 17 people who died at the Marguerite Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, in February of 2018. Let me first ask you both, how, how did you end up in Parkland? In Parkland, how, When did you move there? We moved there. We moved here since we moved from Venezuela, which is um, 18 years ago. And we decided to move here because of the schools, really. Uh huh. So you moved for because you wanted a a good school for Joaquin. Yeah, for for both. Yeah. Yeah. Better life, you know, quality life, and Parkland was offering that. And so, did he go to? Did he go. He went to public uh, elementary schools, and then to. Uh, Mar- Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Exactly, we are. Uh, we moved here because the the rating of those schools were pretty good. They were all A plus, and Joaquin started here since pre K, because uh-huh. he moved here he was three years old. So uh-huh. he went to every single public school around. Tell us about Joaquin. Joaquin, Joaquin is a beautiful human being. Joaquin is. Um, He's our youngest, and uh, he was, for that reason, very spoiled, hmm. brat. At uh, the same time, he was kind of shy. He started um, playing on sports at the age of six. So he started with baseball, then started with basketball and soccer, and it was a moment that he was playing the three of them. Mm-hmm. For that reason, because he was shy, that thing that he decided to start into sports he became more open and you know he was less shy and more uh, integrated into different groups so he was a very smart kid and very curious and the fact that he was very curious he was able to know about what was going on around the world and around our our community he was um, an old soul he always knew what was going on. He was, he could have any conversation with any person of, from any age about everything. Mm-hmm. He could be talking about sports. He, he could be talking about politics. Or he, he could be talking about the best um, video or, you know, or maybe um, a musician that was there around, you know, trendy. Really, that was really amazing from him besides the friendly and the kindness that he always had. And still has. You know, I said that you really became involved in this issue after 
he died. Is that true? What, what was the, the sort of gun crisis in this country on, much on your radar? It was. Um, well, let me just um, correct the, the, how you call it. It's not that he died. It's that he was murdered. Mm-hmm. So, so those are two different things. Yeah. Um, he was not supposed to die at all. Uh, I was involved uh, until a certain point with the gun violence um, situation. Uh, everyone in here before Parkland, I mean, almost every citizen knew what was going on. Uh, was it affecting us? Probably not. Directly? Of course not. So we did have conversations with Joaquin about gun violence. He was more active in the fighting against gun violence that, that we were. And, um, and now we are following uh, his lead in all this. In what sense was he active? Well, Joaquin was very concerned about um, social rights and um, he was a very smart kid. So that ended up in, in a kind of um, a teenager activist. Uh, he loved to um, support uh, when there was a march. Uh, there was this uh, Black Lives Matter march uh, before the whole uh, Black Lives Matter fever that we saw in the last couple of years. So it was a time where kids will do this because they really believe it and not because it was a cool thing to do. Uh, same way that he wrote when he was only 12 years old, a letter to gun owners. It was a school project. And he mentioned it on that letter that uh, what is it wrong with you that you don't want uh, universal background checks to move on? So that's... And, and, and Manuel, when did he, when did he write that? Uh, how, how long before he was, before he was killed? Oh, uh, five years before. Uh, and again, that was a school project. And for some reason, he, um, I believe it was the same year as Sandy Hook. And that's why the kids uh-huh. were talking about that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, it was 2011. But the way that he um, made his project, it's just a letter to dear gun owners. It's uh-huh. very intense. Mm-hmm. How long after he was murdered? did it take you to decide that this was what you were going to devote your life to? There's, there's two things going on there. One, you have to do what you were doing, which is parenting. You don't stop mm-hmm. parenting when you lose your kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, that's, you only lose parenting when you die. Okay. So um, that said, well, we, How old is your other child? Andrea is 20, 28. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, once you know that and you realize that you still you still have things to do for your son, then you uh, uh, find a way to, it's not more than a revenge, it's justice and, and support to other families that, that might end up suffering the same pain. So, uh, and in addition to uh, the attitude that Joaquin showed during his whole 17 years, 
it made total sense to go ahead and, and start a movement and, and put things uh, where they belong, uh, bring ideas and, and start uh, being part of a solution and not uh, stay stunk as part of a problem. Um, you know, for, for, I guess for anybody, but especially for those of us who are parents, it's, it's hard to, I mean, you, I hear you say that. Um, and I, and I say to myself, I could never do that. I mean, I hope I could, uh, but, um, were both of you in sync about the need to sort of really make this your focus or how did that evolve? No, definitely. We were in sync without knowing that we could be in sync. The day uh-huh. after that happened, uh, I remember that a group of Joaquin's friends came over, you know, devastated without understanding what was going on. And I remember that I was talking to them and I said to them, you know what, we cannot allow that this is going without any consequences. You, they take away from us Joaquin and we must do something. And that something must to be outside. We're gonna have time to cry. We're gonna have to have time to, to, you know, to feel bad, to feel down, to feel depressed. You, we're gonna have the chance to feel the the reasons to be bad and down. But the only thing that we can do to honor Joaquin is outside. We have to make a difference. I don't know how because that was not even twelve hours after what happened. But I felt it right away. I'm. You know, we are the kind of person that we are really proactive in every single activity we do as individuals. So we just put together our way to be. And, you know, uh, Manuel resolved to be an artist. And that's where we found the path throughout Mm -hmm. to express and to claim and to demand through art. Mm -hmm. Manuel uh, refers to himself as a as a graphic activist in one of the ways he refers to himself and he does you've done these sort of provocative installations um aimed at focusing people's making people pay attention you also formed this group uh change the ref i love the story about how why it was called that tell tell me that um joaquin loved um every single sport but he had his special love for basketball and it was he's in the middle of his last season. Uh, I happen to be the coach of that team. Uh, I have no skills to coach anything, but <laughs> I've been uh, I've been there with soccer games. But go Joaquin, ahead. Joaquin needed a coach uh, to be his friend so he could pick the right players by meaning the players that Joaquin wanted in the team. So um, I said okay to that, and he gave me a list of names. And because I was a coach, I was able to form the team. We were in the middle of a season. Uh, I was instructed by Joaquin not to get involved. Uh, I, I was the coach, but I was not allowed to to do much because I have no expertise in basketball. So I was okay with that too. And then uh, there was this argument between the referee and Joaquin. And it ended up in Joaquin being thrown out of the game. He asked me to go and fix the issue. He said, how am I going to fix it? You told me not to get involved. Well, now you have to get involved. All right. So I went, I tried to fix the issue, and then the referee threw me out of the game. (laughs) 
So this is me and my son uh, driving back home. And he's telling me that I think that uh, that referee is not, he doesn't like our team. He doesn't like the players. He doesn't like you. He doesn't like me. Um, there is no way that we can win a game with this guy as a, as a ref. And we need to change the ref. Actually, he's like, to me, he's receiving either money or something from the other teams. <laughs> so, um, believe it or not, two weeks after this conversation um, is when uh, we lost our beautiful Joaquin. And I started watching the news and I saw how uh, there is a gun industry and, and a gun lobby and the NRA. And they all put money on on, on some politicians' campaigns. And, and it's exactly what Joaquin was telling me a couple of weeks before. These are our referees. Our politicians are the ones that should make the right calls. And as long as one of the teams is giving them money, it's pretty hard to, to have a fair game. So I, I'm, I was glad that the name of whatever we were planning to do came from Joaquin itself and not something that we made uh, up like Patricia or me. And, and it represents Joaquin, it represents the kids, the youth in general, and, and, and his passion and love for sports and justice. So I noticed uh, Manuel on Twitter after the Boulder um, shooting, you tweeted something, you said, what are we missing here? What is it that I'm not explaining well enough? We're all fucking targets. Then you said, the media show just started, the political show will start soon. How about some executive decisions? What did you mean when you said the media show? Talk to me, both of you, about how you how you see press coverage of these kinds of high-profile events. I think that um, Americans, uh, we as Americans, we live in a in a certain normal life, uh, which is kind of a template. It's um, it repeats. It's a cycle that uh, comes and go. That's a very American way of, of living. We have we have uh, sports seasons and we have um, holidays and we have sales yeah. and then we have mass shootings. And the media will react to each of this uh, kind of in the same way every time something like this happens. I was I was referring to the media as that initial attention that um, depending on the location, because not all of them get the same attention, they will cover it for a couple of days and, and it will be news and everyone will be offended for a couple of days. And then it vanishes and, and the show is over and um, they don't show again until something else happens. We've been dealing with that issue and we have been treating it in another way because we haven't lost attention from the media um, because of our campaigns and our radical disruptive activations and, and the unique way that we are um, answering to this issue. But in general, um, the media will do their job in, in a very... Um, I, I, 
I think they they just covering the action is not enough. Um, giving out loud, uh, calling the name of whoever is a killer behind this is not it's not a good thing to do. Um, promoting these kind of um, actions is not a good thing to do. So I I have a lot of concerns, but but my my most relevant concern is that they forget about you. And unless you're doing something that really grabs their attention, uh, they won't talk about the subject anymore. You know, it almost sounds like you think there's some, I mean, I, I love the way that you frame this, like it's part of this whole sort of attraction to ritual that we have as Americans. It's almost like you think there's uh, there's they take there's some comfort in the repetition. It's like, oh, we know how to do this, we, we know how to do this. We'll, yeah. do, we'll, we'll just do that now, and then move on to another thing that we're familiar with. There's one one situation that explains this. Uh, it actually happened to us. We were in El Paso, Texas, mm-hmm. my hometown, by the way. Oh, it's a beautiful town. We love it. Yeah. Uh, we were actually there because it was Joaquin's birthday. Um, and we wanted to, to make a wall, a drawing, one of those murals that we do in El Paso, supporting the, um, the migrants. Because Joaquin mm-hmm. was also very concerned about uh, people, uh, the, how we treated people that were coming to America. Bottom line is that we were there. Uh, the same day that El Paso shooting in Walmart happened, um, which is a, a, a very weird coincidence, but um, there we are. We are in that situation. And the media was there, of course, at one one day um, after the shooting. And they somehow knew that we were there and they uh, gave us a couple of interviews and they asked me, what do I think? And I said, I, I am... Um, letting the community know that you should come right now where these cameras are covering the event because these cameras won't be here in the next five days. They're going to go back to their headquarters and then they won't talk about this anymore. So if you want to create awareness and show that this is really something bad that shouldn't happen, uh, just hurry up, come here, and, and use the attention that that you will only have for a few days. Uh-huh. That's how I see it. And that's exactly what happened. There is a template for, for many things in this nation. There is, of course, a template for covering the, the mass shootings and the shootings in general. So, you know, um, what should this look like? Um, instead of this sort of like pop-up show that comes and then leaves. Um, I mean, I, I, I hope I, I, I've spent some time looking at how media covers, for example, the climate crisis. And it's, it's sort of similar in the sense of like, oh, there's a wildfire or there's a sort of epic hurricane. And wow, that, that's crazy. And it hasn't done this before. And, and they're treated as sort of standalone events. And then, but there's not enough media effort to sort of put it all together, and that is all related to one thing, right? Exactly. Um, 
and we at CJR have actually spent a fair amount of time trying to get the media to change the way they think about these storms and put it in perspective of like, this is part of a climate crisis that you need to be paying attention to every day, not just when there's an event. Um, I think we need the same thing around gun violence, right? How, how what advice do you, have? for one thing, do you, do you agree that that's an, is that an analogy that makes sense to you or does it trivialize it or how do you see it? No, uh, you're right. But also, um, you have a very powerful platform. Very powerful. So you have in your hands a tool that you can use it in the best or the worst or nothing way. You're talking about media in general? In general. Yeah. Well, every time that we had a, an interview, like we're having right now, and they said to me, thank you for having, you know, for, for being with us. And I say, no, thank you. And I hope that you use your 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 network to expand the real issues that we're living here every single second of the day, because it's very important. So you can subtract or add whatever is going on around. For example, talking about the gun issue, the gun violence happens in places that I spoke to a reporter in LA that she told me that they don't go to those places because it's too dangerous for the media to go there. So mm -hmm. those areas or communities are really in disadvantage because mm -hmm. we will never know what's going on. The, we, as a, as a, you know, as a followers of a, of a, of the news, we will never know that. So in fact, the, the entities that we should know about that, they don't want to know. They don't want to have that support that maybe Parkland had in that moment. Mm -hmm. uh, the one that we have because we keep being active all day long, doing different things all day long, all the time. So that is something that it concerns me because, you know, we are all, we are all the same. When you go through this, everybody is the same. This is not about privilege in you know in your annual income it's a social issue that we can suffer it doesn't matter where you belong it matters the fact that we have to attack and we have to report and we have to pressure the entities the politicians the community leaders to do something and that's the power that i see in the media and have you seen any signs of progress in the last three years that the media is getting is getting that message? No. Not really. The problem here um, is the, the way that this is treated. Again, it's I don't see any urgency mm -hmm. on on helping in stopping this from happening. Okay, and we're all civilians of the same society that includes of course reporters and everyone and and this is a common issue this should be treated as a health issue uh, it's an emergency and it's costing a lot of money to the nation um there's the same concern and and uh, the same way that that Everyone gets involved in, in the COVID situation and try to solve it. And, and that urgency of going back mm -hmm. to our regular life should be practiced 
when it comes to gun violence. Mm -hmm. But we think that gun violence is part of our normal life. Mm -hmm. This is an, 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 an unique American feeling of normal. There is no way that a, um, a French uh, or a British or a, a Australian citizen will uh, feel uh, normal under these conditions of fear and manipulation from um, an industry, in this case, the gun industry. They, they will never let that happen because it's not good. This is not that we have two sides. Don't, mm -hmm. don't, I don't play that game of there's two sides and we need common ground. Mm -hmm. There's good and bad. And, and there's a lot of guns in America, more than people, and that has bring bad results, period. Um, you have arguments because you have the right to bar arms. That's another problem. Yes, you have the right, but you have to pass some regulations like in any other industry, like in any other business, like any other thing that you want to possess. There is not such a thing as a free access or easy access to guns uh, in any other nation than in America. Mm -hmm. Manuel and Patricia, it's great to talk to you. It's great to talk to you. Thank you. Manuel and Patricia will be joining us next week, uh, April 6th, for a summit that CJR is hosting aimed at improving the coverage of uh, gun violence in the country. We'll be talking about a lot of the issues that we touched on here, but we've assembled a group of industry leaders to work through sort of how we can sort of finally find a new path forward. So anybody's welcome to join this conversation. You can you can see a, a link to it um, on the show notes to this podcast and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for more. That's it. See you next week. <laughs>